Good morning and welcome to the Sunday, May 24th morning worship service of the Heritage Church of Christ. If this is the first time that you have tuned in to this virtual service, we especially welcome you and hope that you will find the service to be encouraging and uplifting. I believe this is the seventh or the eighth time that circumstances have caused us to use this method of conducting services. However, we're hopeful that in a few weeks, Things will get back to some semblance of normalcy, and we will be meeting again in the building. To that end, your leadership, that is your elders, deacons, and ministers, have been making plans for that event. Initially, it will be somewhat different due to the constraints that we probably will still be operating under, but we will not have to refer to it as virtual. Let us begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we are indeed grateful for the opportunity to come before your throne this morning. There are many things on our hearts. We are living through some difficult times, and we have many concerns that we'd like to bring before you at this time. First of all, we're concerned about the pandemic that we are dealing with, the illness, the death, the economic uh, considerations that uh, go along with that. We pray that this will end soon and we can get back to a more or less normal state of existence so that we can the work of your kingdom can continue. We know there are people who are, have other illnesses and people who are recovering from uh, surgery and various other ailments. and pray that you be with them and help them to a rapid return to their health. We also have several who have lost loved ones recently, and it's particularly difficult at this time when they're not able to travel to visit. We know that you have the power to deal with all of this, and we ask that you would help us as we deal with it. <clears throat> give us the strength, give us the wisdom, help us to do the things that we should be doing in service of others in this time of distress. <clears throat> we ask that you would be with us as we prepare to go back into, have the services in our building once again. Uh, there are many things related to that, and there's going to be some difficulties, and we pray that that will go smoothly, and we ask that everyone have a compassionate heart in dealing with the situation. We thank you for your son Jesus. We're grateful for the sacrifice that he made for us, and we ask that you continue to watch over us and bless us and forgive us of our sins. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the Finished. The end is written. 
When you think of Memorial Day, what comes to mind? Some people might come out and say that barbecues, family get-togethers, a day off work, a day at the lake, a weekend at the beach, uh, the end of the school year. We might think of all those different things when we think of Memorial Day. But I want us to think about what the true meaning of Memorial Day is. When I think of Memorial Day and how we teach Isaac and Enoch the significance of some national holidays, Memorial Day is a day to remember those men and women who fought in battle for the freedom that we have as a country and who died on that battlefield. It also can be a memory of the men and women who fought for our freedom and then came out of war and lived a productive life and then passed away. We memorialize, we think about the memory of the service that someone did for us. But it, I don't believe it stops just in the military. I think in a time of a pandemic like we have now, we can remember and appreciate and show our gratitude to those people who are on the front lines of fighting the pandemic. We can think of scientists who are spending hours and hours trying to come up with a cure or a, a vaccine for coronavirus. We think of the nurses and the doctors that are in hospitals and the long hours they might be putting in to take care of the welfare of someone else. We might think of school teachers um, who are putting in hours to try to figure out how to virtually teach their students. We think of parents who are at home, who are struggling to balance the life of work and, and social life and making sure they educate, they continue to educate their kids. Many things can come to our mind when we think of Memorial Day. The true meaning of Memorial Day, though, is like we started off at the beginning. Someone gave their life for me. Someone gave their life for us so that we can have the freedoms that we have. And we show our appreciation as a country, as a nation, to those men and women who fought in battles, who fought in wars, who took the price, who paid the price for the freedom that we have. That sounds awfully familiar, right? Someone paid the price for the freedom that we have. We, we, we concentrate on Memorial Day. We show our appreciation to our military men and women and our hearts and our, and our thoughts and our appreciation flood out to those individuals. But that's not what is what is most important. Let me say that again. That's not what is most important. Memorial Day and the celebration of it as a country is important. But someone gave their life for me. Someone gave their life for you. Someone gave their life so that we might have a spiritually free life. And that was Jesus Christ. I want us to look into the book of Matthew. So get out your Bibles this morning with me. Turn to Matthew chapter 26. Because Jesus set up 
a last moment. And when we think of Memorial Day, when we think of a memorial or a memory of someone, we often think of their lasting moment, their last moment. What's their last will and testament? What's the last thing they did, the last thing they said? What's the lasting impression they have on us? We think of that in our memorial. And Jesus set that up for his apostles. He set that up for the men that were closest to him. He set up a last meal. And they had no clue of what the significance of that meal was. And I want to make sure that we understand what the significance of that meal is. There was a last supper, a last communion before, as we know the end of the story, before the death of burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we find that story and how it was set up in Matthew chapter 6. And I want to combine our reading and our understanding of this verse with our communion this morning. So please have your communion emblems nearby because we are going to talk through this story of the Last Supper and take our communion together as a family at Heritage. So you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to start in verse 18. And Jesus said, Matthew 26, 18, go into the city of a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house and with my disciples. So the disciples did just as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. Jesus had an organized plan. He knew what was about to happen. In the coming days, he also knew that this Last Supper was extremely important for him to share with his followers. And so this morning, you in your home have your communion, your supper prepared before you as I have the supper prepared before me. And then look, verse 26 We've heard this over and over and over in our reading of, of these verses when we have the opportunity in the first day of the week to take communion. But I really want us to stop, put aside all the worldly things, and to truly concentrate on what is happening here. So, I want you to visualize with me. Jesus and these 12 men are sitting at a table. They're not sitting at a chair. They're, the table's probably two, three feet off the ground. They're sitting on pillows or blankets or throws that are on the ground. And they have their legs to the side of them. They're kind of lounging as we would think of it, maybe like on a couch. But they're at this table and this feast, at one table, this feast is prepared of all these um, typical foods they would eat. And it says in verse 26, 
I can imagine the conversation that is going on between the men and questions and comments and joking and, and other aspects of them talking one to another. It says in verse 26, and as they were eating, this was a meal, a family get together, a family meal at this table that they were partaking of. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. He took the bread and broke it. You can imagine what that sounded like and what that looks like. And gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And so when we think about those red letter words here in Matthew chapter 6, Take, eat. This is my body. Let us partake together as a family at Heritage of the bread. Please pray with me. Father, we, we do take this bread. And as we eat this bread, may it be a remembrance of Jesus and His body that hung on the cross, that was persecuted, that was crucified, that hung there for the remission of my sin. Jesus took upon my sin so that I can stand here today and take this communion with my family at Heritage and with you and with Jesus Christ. May we take this bread at this moment as a memory, as a memorial to the death of Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. So they're lounging at this table, but that's not the end of it. They take the bread. Jesus takes the bread, take, eat, this is my body. And they eat of it, but it doesn't stop there. In verse 27, then he took the cup. They probably had one cup they were sharing at the moment. He took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them one by one saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Don't we long for that day? As we take this fruit of the vine, this grape juice, this fruit that comes from a vine, just as Jesus modeled for us, 
We see him giving it to us as he gave it to his followers. And he says, I will drink this new with you in the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, we, we give thanks to you as Jesus gave thanks to you when he was at his last supper. He gave thanks to you for the Father that you are, not only to Him, but to us. For the example you are to us, for the Creator of everything that is around us. And as we take this fruit of the vine and it flows through our body, it is a reminder that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of our sins. It washes us as white as snow. The perfect Lamb was placed upon the cross, took upon our sin, and paid the price of death. May we take this fruit of the vine as a memory, as a remembrance, as a memorial to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. But do we truly understand the, Lord, the Lord's Supper? Why did Jesus have that lasting memorial supper with his followers? Turn with me over a chapter to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 27, excuse me. Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 38. Why did Jesus have a last supper with his followers? What was the purpose behind it? What was about to happen? Why did he need this intimate time with him? Matthew chapter 27, verse 28. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Those verses don't do justice. They give us a glimpse of what really occurred. But they crucified. They beat Jesus. They stripped him down. They mocked him. They spat in his face. Why did he need to have that last supper? Because Jesus was about to pay the price for their sin, for my sin, for everyone's sin. Look in verse 50. 
And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. We know what happens in between those verses. Jesus is hung on a cross. He is ridiculed. He is mocked. He is tortured for us. And he cried out one last time and he died. In verse 51, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. You understand what's happening? This curtain that is several feet thick is ripped from the top down. The earthquake occurs. Rocks are exploding and dead people are coming out of the grave. Verse 53, and the coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit city and appeared to many. Not only did dead people come out of the grave, they walk into the city and interact with people. And then this is when their eyes are open. Verse 54. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Why did Jesus need to have a last supper with his followers? Because he was the Son of God. And he was about to show the world who he truly was and still is today. It doesn't stop there. Because think about what Isaac wrote to, read to us earlier in the week. John 15, 12 and 13. This is my commandment. This is Jesus speaking. This is my commandment. When I think Jesus has given me a commandment, I better listen. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Not only did I show you at the Last Supper what these emblems mean, but I also loved you enough. I showed you what true love is by hanging on a cross to pay the price for sin. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this. You can't get any greater in your love than this, that you lay down one's life for his friends. We think of Memorial Day. The men and women of our military past, present, and future, lay down their life for us to have the freedoms that we have. And that's important. But even more important, the greatest love that has ever been shown to me or to you is the fact that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He paid the price for our sin. And so I ask you this morning, as you think through that and the importance of Memorial Day and the freedom that you have in this nation, I ask you, how is your spiritual freedom? How is your spiritual walk with God?
Jesus has paid the price for you to walk with God. Are you walking in his footsteps? Are you walking in the world's footsteps? If we can help you in any way, I beg you, please let our elders, our deacons, our preachers, our ministers know how we can help you. Can we pray for you? Are you ready to be baptized, washed clean, washed white as snow because of what Jesus did for you? If we can help you in any way this morning or any day this week, please contact us. We pray for you because we know what Jesus has done for us. And because of what he has done for us, we want to show that love to others and lay down our life for them.
Let's end our time together in prayer. Father, you are awesome, and your name is great. And we want you to come soon. We long for the day when we can be with you. But until then, we ask that you will help us to do your will here on earth, to spread your message, to tell people about your son and the sacrifice that he made for us. Father, I know this is a hard time for us all, not being together with our friends and family, having to be separated and isolated. But help us to remember that we can turn to you, that we have you, that you'll protect us. That, Father, you have gotten all the great fathers, all the, all the leaders of the church before. You've gotten them through tough times, and you can get us through it as well. Father, help us to go out and tell other people about you, to find new ways to do that, to tell other people about your son, to find new ways to do that. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to leave you with some encouraging words from 2 Corinthians 13, verses 13 and 14. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God. Um, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with you all.